Good evening and welcome to the beautiful historical Marionette Theater. Tonight we're going to be visiting a 2021 independent film starring a German expatriate, Udo Kier, who celebrates a birthday this month. It's a retired hairstylist who comes out of hiding to help out an old friend. Please take your seats. Our show is about to begin. Well, good evening and uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, dear Toppy, my nerd brother, my partner in crime. How are you this fine evening, sir? I'm doing fine, DJ. I'm just frustrated by my camera and this picture behind me of of uh, our star tonight, and I can't, I can't. Anyways, it doesn't matter. But I'm covering his face, and I'm sorry, folks. His face is just going to have to be covered. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like uh, a George Burns film. It's the God effect. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if you hadn't been to uh, drop by uh, to see our sh- beautiful shining faces here on the YouTubes, uh, you've got a whole other reason tonight because, uh, well, yours truly, I'm decked out uh, as, uh, you know, you might see in Elton John's closet or uh, perhaps Don Knotts on those years that he was on the uh, Three's Company show. There. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you are channeling Don Knotts. <laughs> DJ, I didn't think of that oh. until you met. No. You- Get off my lawn! (laughs) Oh, lordy. We are here to discuss a film of a birthday boy tonight. And uh, after 50 years in the business, uh, as Entertainment Weekly said, uh, he finally uh, landed a role as a leading man. So... uh, it's uh, October and it's fall, Oktoberfest. Speaking of our German expatriate friend, Mr. Udo Kier, it's Oktoberfest in that part of the world. And, um, you know, our barmaid, kind of, uh, Gertie, should be somewhere in the house. Do you think? Oh, I'm here. Believe me. <laughs> well, we'd like to talk about the film tonight. Uh, could you get your little tootsies downstairs there and we can introduce things? All right, I'm down. I'm down for it. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Pat is a formerly flamboyant retired hairdresser who finds himself dusting off his shears when the estate of an old friend comes calling to prepare her for her one final appearance her memorial. But the two haven't spoken for years, and she was a bigwig with the local conservative politicians. She never even came to his lover's funeral. Will Pat swallow humble pie and accept his laurels? Will his old rival get in the way? Step off at your local thrift store for some clubbing duds. Just be careful about drinking in public. It's time for Swan Song with Udo Kier and Jennifer Coolidge. Take it away, fellas. What do you get when you take a dash to the silver screen? A pinch of golden oldies and a smidgen of screaming. It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host, DJ and Toppy. You know, Toppy, um, it should be noted that there is a special dedication on the film tonight. Uh, the, the director, Todd Stevens, uh, he's, a, he's a Buckeye State native, Ohio. This is uh, his third film. And, uh, well, the, the film is dedicated in memory of the 33 million lost to the AIDS pandemic, including five of the director's friends, uh, Matt Michelle Martin, lost at the age of 37, Doug Casino, who's 23, uh, Connie Widowson, who was 26, Pete McAllister, 30, 
David Canino, 47. And finally, uh, a happy celebration, um, a dedication to his husband of 35 years, Timo. Nice. All right. Okay. So, um, you know, I think perhaps uh, we'll talk a little about uh, when this came out, you know, because, uh, well, this is actually one of the most recent films we've talked about. It sure is. Uh, We can't get, uh, we don't get more recent than this, folks. No kidding. So 2021, and uh, this is the world in 2021. Okay, folks, it was just around the corner from now, or behind the corner, as it were, 2021. So think about this. Uh, It was an independent film. Lots of things happened that year. We'll just go through a handful. So um, in... Michigan, the COVID-19 pandemic surpassed 500,000 confirmed cases. That's half a million people January that year. Texas became the first state to administer a million doses of the Pfizer vaccine in January of that year. In January of that year, the Food and Drug Administration approved Cabinuva, a a, uh, complete regimen for the treatment of HIV AIDS. So it was a new medication was approved for HIV AIDS in January that year. And in the state of Arizona, in the Southwest there, recreational cannabis sales began. The FDA in uh, February that year, the FDA issued an emergency use authorization for, I'm going to get the name wrong, Bamlanivamabab, and I'm not making this up, folks, Atesivamab. Um, it's a COVID-19 medication that uh, was being developed at the time. So, uh, What a surprise. 2021 <laughs> is filled with vaccines. Uh-huh. I, wonder, I wonder why. I wonder, that's odd. That's peculiar. Oh, here's something good. In February that year, NASA successfully landed its Perseverance rover on Mars seven months after its launching. Now, it does take quite a long time to get something to Mars from Earth because... That's ro- why it's called Perseverance. Yes, because the rotation around the sun is is actually... Um, well, it's kind of like walking into the tide. You, you got you to gotta go counterclockwise, I guess, is what the Simpsons would tell you. The, um, you know, the commodes in the uh, south of the equator go... <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> U.S. House of Representatives, so Congress, in March of that year, voted 220 to 211 to pass the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan Act of 2021. is a stimulus bill signed into law by President Biden the next day. So, you know, um, the compensation that uh, many people got during the pandemic, that was part of that. The IRS announced in March of that year that the deadline for tax day was going to be moved. Uh, it wasn't going to be April in last year. It was moved up to May. So May 17th, you got a little extension to file your taxes there. I remember that helped me out quite quite <laughs> a bit. I was happy with that. Uh, we do have some celebrity deaths. Um, these are just a handful of uh, our dear celebrity friends that passed away in 2021. We've got Clarence William III. You'll remember him from Mod Squad. He was 81. Richard Donner, that director of many uh, blockbuster movies, you know, like Superman and 79 and Lethal Weapon, you know, movies like that. He was age 91. Suzanne Douglas, and she was of off-Broadway and TV fame, noted for her Warner Brothers sitcom, The Parenthood. She died at 64. Remember that Jake, Jackie Mason, that iconic borscht belt comedian? Mm-hmm. Well, he was aged 93 when he passed. And uh, uh, I think it hit a lot of us hard. Norm MacDonald, uh, beloved comedian, uh, and he was on Saturday Night Live. He passed away at age 61. Okay. So we lost a few folks in 2021. And, uh, you know, perhaps there were some uh, entrances into the world that in a couple of decades we'll find out if they become celebrities. So, you know, dust off your old matinee minutia archive and find out uh, who joined us then. (laughs) All right. So, Swan Song. 
It was an independent film, so sort of an art house film. And, uh, you know, it, it didn't place in the box office because it wasn't a, a commercial release. But if you were one to step out into the world, hopefully with a mask in 2021, um, mm. you might have gone to the movies and you could have seen in the number one in the box office was Spider-Man No Way Home. With... <coughs> oh, my goodness. Woo! I got a feather bow on tonight, folks. Tickle me. <laughs> Tickle me pink, literally. Oh, Tom Holland, um, of course, the the uh, Mr. Spidey of late, and Mr. Benedict Cumberbatch, of course, who's um, playing Doctor Strange these days in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was a crossover. Spider-Man No Way Home brought in $572 million that year. Large. Also, in uh, the top of the box office, it was a bang-up year for the... Um, the uh, the comic fans there, because the number two was, and, you know, if you read this, you're going to mispronounce it. So trust me, the way this is pronounced is Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is number two. Brought in 224 million. Now, I'm not familiar with most of the cast. However, it had Simu Liu, Ben Kingsley, and the Grand Jam former Bond girl and everyone's favorite a mysterious leading lady on Star Trek Discovery, Michelle Yeoh in Shang-Chi. And again, that was $224 million. Number two. Now, number three was Venom. Let There Be Carnage. It was a sequel. It had a subtitle. It had Mr. Tom Hardy, that man who... Uh, you know, brushed himself off and started his career over again. Mr. Woody Harrelson joined him in that cast. He was the uh, the misunderstood bad guy who came out of hiding. Now, Swan Song, it was an independent film. It was released in August of that year. And uh, based upon uh, middle of the box office, the film that was one better was called... Finding You, and uh, bear with me one moment here. I am going to look up Finding You, and through the magic of editing, you're not going to know that I didn't have this out. So let's see. Finding You in 2021 was a film where Shane and Jonathan seem to be stuck in toxic relationships until a chance encounter brings them together with a possibility of hope for happiness. So um, perhaps another independent film that had a little bit more support from the um, syndicated uh, movie theaters out there. And let's see here. Um, the film that was just below the rung of middle of the box office was a film called The Card Counter. And uh, similarly, I'm just going to bring up The Card Counter, but I'm sure you could probably guess what that's all about here. Let's see, Card Counter uh, in 2021. And this is a film that had Tiffany Haddish. That seems to be a familiar name. And Willem Dafoe. This film was about an ex-military interrogator turned gambler haunted by the ghosts of his past. That was just below middle of the box office, the card counter in 2021. All right, Toppy. So, uh, as we've mentioned before in the past, the uh, Marionette Theater is a uh, a place where many a splendid things occurred, uh, vaudeville and uh, magicians. And we kind of think of the uh, person, the filmmaker, the director, as being the magician of the film. Tell us a little bit about Mr. Todd Stevens, if you will. Okay, well, Todd Stevens is a director who tends to make very personal movies. And our selection tonight, Swan Song, is one of them. He's an American film director, writer, and producer. He was raised in Sandusky, Ohio, which, if that sounds familiar, is the location for tonight's movie, actually. He seems to use uh, his hometown in a lot of his movies. Uh, he both, uh, he, uh, you might know him for uh, writing and uh, producing the autobiographical 
coming out film, Edge of 17. That was a movie released in 98. And he's directed the 2001 film Gypsy 83, as well as another gay movie called Another Gay Movie, which was released in 2006. And the follow-up was another gay sequel, Gays Gone Wild. And that premiered at the Frameline Film Festival in San Francisco in uh, 2008. Look, this guy is an award winner um, as his movies went throughout the independent film circuit. He won awards from LA Outfest. He won the Seattle Lesbian and Gay Film Festival Award. He won the Torino International Gay and Lesbian Film Festival. And he won the Toronto Inside Out Lesbian and Gay Film and Video Festival across a span from 98 to 2002. So uh, he is known and quite beloved. And this little gift to us that we're going to talk about tonight, Swan Song, is baby is best. I don't know. We'll see. All right. So before we continue the discussion about the cast, we're going to go ahead and roll that beautiful bean footage. We're going to uh, screen for you the trailer. Good evening, I'm Mr. Pat, and I'm back. Good afternoon, residents. Lunch will be served in five minutes. Our special item of the day, fruit cocktail. Miss Scott, you always had beautiful hair. Beautiful. Patrick Pitsenbarger. It's been years. I'm retired. Rita Parker Sloan passed away. Rita specified that you do her hair and makeup for the funeral. The will makes a provision for services rendered. My client demand high-quality beauty products. What you looking for? Perfect powder bleach and vivante. <laughs> That smack don't stick to nappy heads. Oh my God. Pat, is it you? Yeah. Look so athletic. I'm surprised you still remember me. Who could forget the Liberace of Sandusky? I suppose to make a dead bitch look human. Was she a handful? Oh, a demanding Republican monster. Sounds like a nightmare. I adore her. Holy hell, Pat. You're still alive? I used to perform here. Must have been before my time. This place was family. Girl, you taught me everything I never wanted to know. <laughs> Even though I never really knew you, I want you to know you changed my life. Why well, ain't you just the sweetest thing? Pick me. Okay, so we have a boatload of talent that came together to make this film and among those of course in the cast was our leading man who entertainment weekly said uh, after 50 years udo kier has finally landed a leading man role mr udo kier played mr pat and uh, in mr pat fashion here i'll take a, a sip of my beverage Uh, Udo Kier was born in Cologne, Germany, which is the largest city of the German western state of the North Rhine-Westphalia, and the fourth most populous city of Germany. It's home of the third tallest church and the tallest cathedral in the world. The hospital where Udo was born was bombed by invading Allied forces moments after this, his birth. This was back in the 40s, folks. And he and his mother had to be dug out of the rubble. 
he grew up without a father. In his youth, he was an altar boy and cantor, so that's a, a person who sings in the church. He moved to London, England at the age of 18 to learn English. So strap in, folks. This is a, a celebrated history of Mr. Udo Kier. In 66, Kier was cast in the lead role for the film Road to St. Tropez. An early starring role in Andy Warhol's Frankenstein followed in 73 and led to a string of art house, low budget, and mainstream horror films, including a number of vampire themed pictures. So, tis the season to be uh, an Udo Kier fan. And this is in German, it's Die Einsteiger in 85. In 98, he appeared on the uh, American screens in Blade. And uh, in 98, he was in Modern Vampires. And in 2000, Shadow of the Vampire and Dracula 3000 in Blood Rain. So two films in 2005. Uh, Udo Kier has also become famous for his work with cult directors, including Rainer Werner Fassbinder, Valerian Borowicz, Gus von Sant, Christoph Schlingelseif, and Dario Argento, whose classic Suspiria in 77, Kier was featured in. He has appeared in almost all of Lars von Trier's movies since 87's film Epidemic. Udo Kier's most famous Hollywood roles include his appearance as Ron Camp in East Ventura Pet Detective back in 94, <laughs> and also in uh, Barb Wire as Curly, who is a NASA flight psychologist. Oh, I'm sorry, getting ahead of myself. Uh, he also played a NASA flight psychologist in Armageddon as the villainous and then as the villainous Lorenzini in the Adventures of Pinocchio and uh, the 99 sequel, The New Adventures of Pinocchio. Now, before I get too much further, because there is quite a bit more, I'll try to keep it brief. Uh, many of you might occasionally confuse Udo Kier with another German expatriate, and I know I have Mr. Terrence Stamp, who has appeared in such films as, I want to say, Superman 2, or is it 3, Toppy? Correct me. Well, he was in the first two Superman movies. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, later on in the 90s, was in uh, one of my favorite films, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. So there is a similarity between the two. Mm -hmm. Also, to be honest, uh, while I was watching uh, Swan Song, I, I kept thinking I was watching um, uh, Michael um, Fassbinder or no, oh. doesn't matter. I've forgotten the name. Um, continue. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, Let's see here. So he was also in music videos, including Madonna's Deeper and Deeper from the Erotica album. You know, that naughty thing she did that had a coffee table book. Um, he was in uh, the, uh, the I, I guess they were a grunge band, Korn, it's called Make Me Bad and Eve's Let Me Blow Your Mind. A lot of other things here. Okay, moving forward, he has also worked extensively as a voice actor. And uh, is starring as the psychic Yuri, as well as the voice in the Psycores and Command and Conquer Red Alert 2, and its expansion Yuri's Revenge. Uh, he also voiced the music master in Justice League, and uh, Herbert Ziegler in The Batman, the more recent film, and uh, Ivan Bon in Metropia. So these are a lot of uh, sort of. Um, Genre films. If you're into horror films, you've probably seen Udo Kier quite a bit. He gets around. And uh, he was also Professor Pericles, as well as a shadowy figure in Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Toad and Beware the Batman. Uh, I'm sure these are animated, animated films. Warden and Axe Cop. Head Vampire Vampire in Major Laser, and Dylan Beekler's Backpack in Golan, The Insatiable, and Dr. Peter Straub in The Call of Duty World War II. Now, uh, if any of you look up interviews with Udo Kier, especially for this film, Swan Song, he'll tell you he's done perhaps 200 films, and a hundred or so of them are bad. Fifty of them you could watch with a, gla a good glass of wine. <laughs> 
<laughs> ah, okay. But uh, Kier is gay and has been open about his sexuality his entire life. No one has ever asked me about my sexuality. Maybe it was obvious, but I didn't make any difference. It didn't make any difference because all that mattered was the role I was playing. As long as I did a good job on the part, no one cared about my sexuality. And uh, Mr. Udo Kier moved to the States and uh, he joins us from Palm Springs uh, when, well, but you know, when he steps out to do a film, he's in Palm Springs these days and he moved there back in 91. So Toppy, we are at about that halfway mark. I thought I'd uh, entertain you folks here. Let me drag out some music. So we're gonna step on over to the snack bar and uh, drink something blue. That's what I'm having tonight. Gertie, you got any more of that blue stuff? Oh yeah. Okay. So this is a little gem that I dug up on the internet, and uh, it's a uh, a uh, interviewer called Pride Source. This was during a film festival in 2021, and uh, they're interviewing. Udo Kier and Michael Uri, who played the grandson in tonight's film, Swan Song. Udo, Michael, hi. It's nice to meet you both virtually. And, uh, very happy that you joined me today. Uh, Swan Song is a beautifully moving love letter to generations of older, unabashedly queer people who paved the way for younger generations of queer people. In particular, like the queenier men who just let their freak flags fly. I thought I would start by asking you what made you both say yes to this project. The importance about this film is the different generation of my generation and the, uh, going back there and people don't recognize me anymore. And also, you know, in the old days, when you went to a gay bar, you were looking left and right if nobody would see you from your neighbors where you're going. And now they're holding hands at Applebee. So that is uh, okay. I mean, you see, I'm from Germany. And in Germany, there were even a paragraph called 175. Uh, when I grew up, and if two men lived together and the neighbors were hearing some erotic noises, they could call the police and the people were arrested and put in jail. And, uh, you know, I think it's so, so wonderful in relative short time that now uh, even two, two men or two women can get married and adopt children, and it's amazing. So there's a totally, and that is for me, was the film, the different generation of uh, going, going back and then the opportunity that the lawyer offers me $25,000 to do the hair of a woman who died. Uh, what's so beautiful, I think, about Mr. Pat, and I think the way the way in which I relate to Mr. Pat is that this, even though now it's 2021, um, queer people are accepted. I, I can walk down the street holding hands with my partner, uh, and I don't feel um, I don't feel any shame anymore or any any danger. Um, and I actually feel proud to do that. I feel I feel that even though we're we're legal, we're allowed uh, to marry, we're, we're allowed to have kids, we have full full um, protections under the law for the most part. Um, I, I, I still I can blend in, I can assimilate and I don't want to. And I think that is something that uh that, that the older generation, when marriage equality became a thing and when people started getting married, I know I know people in the older generation who thought, why would we need that? We've been fine without that. We, we don't want to be like straight people. We don't want to get married. And and um, and of course, it's, a, it's, it's two different things. It's 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 the, the, the right to be married versus the need to be married. And um, also it's that I'm I'm proud of who I am and I'm proud to be different and I don't need to assimilate. I can be someone else. And I think that I want to always have a little bit of Mr. Pat. I don't want to walk down the street and have people think that's a straight person. I want people to to I want people to know. I want people to uh, in the same way that. that <laughs> 
The same well, way. You have to get a you have to get a green suit. <laughs> get a green suit. Okay, so continuing on with the cast there, Toppy, we have a, another uh, person entering in the scene here, and she's a, uh, a big ally in the LGBTQ community. Tell us a little bit about Jennifer Coolidge. Who did she play in this film? Dee Dee Dale, um, key role in the movie. Um, you, you know, this, this, uh, lady from, uh, more than 51 movies she's been in, believe it or not, uh, to this date, you've seen her in films like a Cinderella story, robots, date movie, American dreams, soul men, Austin land single all the way. So she's been a lot of the all on television. Uh, you would have seen her in the sitcom Joey uh, for two years, uh, 2004 to 2006. Uh, she was Betty in the ABC family teen drama series, The Secret Life of the American Teenager from 2008 to 2012. She was Sophia or Sophie Kaczynski in the CBS sitcom Two Broke Girls. And she was Tanya McCoyd in the HBO anthology series, The White Lotus in 2021. And uh, that earned her a lot of critical acclaim. And she won the Primetime Emmy Award and a Critics' Choice Television Award for that uh, role. Um not to mention, apparently, Golden Globe Award and the Screen Actors Guild Award. So, wow. Most recently, you would have seen her in The Watcher on Netflix. So she's been around for a long time and plays a key role. Um, a great supporting uh, role here for her in this movie, DJ. Hmm. Let me catch up here. Sorry. Okay. Yes. And, uh, you know, Coolidge also has worked in a lot of charities, including uh, her activism has in, been supporting AIDS assistance and animal rights. And she's known for her support of the community, widely considered to be a gay icon. Now, of course, um, at least one of those prior films that were mentioned in her work uh, were with Mr. Todd Stevens. So she's probably quite well acquainted. Um, now, I personally remember the first time I saw Jennifer Coolidge, and it was in a 2001 film. Uh, this had Chris Rock and Eugene Levy, who is uh, one of those uh, many people who's been uh, a uh, actor that worked to Christopher Guest, and uh, a member of the Groundlings, I do believe, Mr. Eugene Levy. Uh, Jennifer Coolidge was in this film called Down to Earth, and it was about uh, after dying before his time, an aspiring black comic gets a second shot at life by being placed in the body of a wealthy white businessman. And, uh, well, Jennifer Coolidge got to play the, uh, the young woman who was married to the older man, probably for his money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, one of the other folks who was a, a shining star, a uh, jewel in the crown, because uh, this, you know, this film had jewels. I mean, um, Mr. Pat, he was sort of an affectation of Liberace. You know, um, one of the things that Mr. Pat says in the film, in uh, the opening, is that he's back and he shows off the rings. Now, in an interview, he mentions, uh, Udo Kier mentions that that was inspired by Liberace when he first opened at his residency in Las Vegas and said, do you like, you paid for these? <laughs> but Linda Evans certainly was a jewel in the crown of this film. And uh, she played Rita, the dearly departed old friend, and uh, Miss Linda Evans, she was born in Hartford, Connecticut, and uh, she has personified beauty and grace to American television viewers for over five decades. 
from her role as Audra Barkley and daughter of the Old West on the Big Valley on ABC from 65 to 69, and to the glamorous Crystal Carrington, you know, the um, the heyday of the cat fights on uh, evening television and Dynasty. They are on ABC also from 81 to 89. And then uh, she, she came out of, um, I guess, perhaps uh, semi-retirement in 2004 for a reality show called Hell's Kitchen. And it's the uh, British competitive reality cooking show she won uh, in 2009. Now, Linda became one of the most celebrated female television stars of the 80s for her role as Crystal, wife of an oil multimillionaire, played by John Forsyth, and good girl counterpart to Joan Collins' evil Alexis. Ergo, the cat fights. Now, Linda was nominated five times for the Golden Globe Awards for Best Actress in a TV Drama Series every year from 82 to 86. She won in 82, sharing the honor with Barbara Bel Geddes, who I remember as the dear sweet mama of uh, J.R. Ewing on Dallas. And uh, that was the rival primetime television show at the time, Dallas. Now, Linda won five People's Choice Awards as favorite actress in a drama series in 82, 83, 84, 85, and 86 of four years running. Wow. Nominated for an Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series in 83. For her contribution to the television industry, Linda has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So uh, just some background information. At 14, Linda was encouraged to take drama classes to overcome her shyness. And at 15, she joined a friend who was auditioning for a television commercial and she got the part. So moving on here, um, after Dynasty, Linda decided there was something more to life than Hollywood and moved to the Pacific Northwest. So that's where she's been hiding. She began an extraordinary journey of self-discovery. But she returned to performing frequently starring in the stage play Legends and winning the Hell's Kitchen competition while working under Michelin star star chef Marco Pierre White. Linda's often lavish and luxurious life has rivaled Crystal Carrington's. She has dined with queens and presidents and been romanced by the rich and famous. And today... What Linda treasures most is the wisdom she has gained along the way, and perhaps her privacy. She's been married, I think, twice, and unbeknownst to all, she hasn't uh, tied the knot again since the uh, late right. 70s. Okay. I want to get this out of the way right away. Mm-hmm. DJ, at a point in this movie, the grandson of Rita is going through photos of her life Mm -hmm. and one of the ones that we get a close-up of okay this is what i think i saw i saw linda evans with her co-star from dynasty what's his face (laughs) what's his face what's the actor's name oh Uh, john forsyth yes i swear to god as possibly a nod to that or whatever, it was a close-up of the photo, and I swear it was Linda Evans and John Forsyth. And he said, uh, you know, this was uh, marriage number two or whatever. Mm -hmm. Did you catch that? Did I just make that up? (laughs) Did that really happen? No, I'm pretty sure you're right. And it's kind of cute because uh, they just play into it with the... uh, the conversation there, the grandson said that grandma picked out all of her photos for the memorial. <laughs> well, where did, uh, this was a choice that you made, mm-hmm. DJ. Where did, where did you run across this? How did you hear about it? What uh, What's your history with this? Okay, well, I learned about Swan Song just before our season four ended oh, for the summer. This was a film that was actually promoted during Pride Month, June, on the the service I found it on, Hulu. And, um, you know, uh, as Udo Kier is an an proud actor of many a film with a celebrated career, it also felt uh, certain, you know, apropos that we discuss this during October, his birth month. But, um, you know, this is one of those films I feel 
that it's the journey that you have to experience as you watch it. This is not just simply a sad film or a happy film. You need to watch this film to live through the experiences of the characters. And I feel that perhaps, because um, through some reading, I, I basically have determined that the director, Todd Stevens, is probably somewhere in his late 50s to early 60s. So he he lived through the 80s and this experience. And certainly um, it should be noted also that Swan Song is based upon true story. There there was a real Pat Pitzenberger who was a, a celebrated hairstylist in Sandusky, Ohio. So this is based loosely on his life. And I feel that this is an important film for queer culture because as we move forward in the 21st century, we're no longer living in that era when having HIV or AIDS was a death sentence. So people forget we lost many a loved one during this time. We have a generation of people who weren't here to share their experience and their stories, you know, um, in the gay community, unless you're one who believes that you maybe deserve to be married, deserve to be happy, because it, it is it is a matter of psychology. You know, we, we grow up understanding that we're different, and until you make your first gay friend or you come out to your first ally, you question on whether or not you're going to achieve the same things that other people in your life are destined for. So, you know, uh, this is an important film because the director is taking us down the path of the way that life used to be through Mr. Pat. He lost the most loved person in his life. And then the person who was his, or at least he thought was his closest friend, didn't even come to the funeral. Mm. So for a whole variety of very personal reasons that I we, we just can't even begin to go into, this movie um, really affected me. And I knew a Mr. Pat in real life. And he was a dear, dear, dear friend. And... Uh, I I can't go into it all, but it played so real for me. And Udo's performance played so real. You know, in this movie, it is filled with close-ups of Udo Kier's face. I'm not just talking close-ups, but I mean right up to his face. It's filled with his face because that's all he needed to portray everything. The tiniest expression, you knew he was either pleased or displeased. You knew he was either amused or very unhappy. This is such a nuanced performance that it's staggering. And all the director needed was to just put that camera on his face. You didn't need dialogue. And you knew what he was thinking. Absolutely phenomenal. Oh, yes. And uh, through interviews, I've learned that, because I'll be honest, this is really the only film that I've knowingly watched with Udo Kier in it. Now, of course, this is one of the only times that he's played a leading role, but you know, I, I for the most part, am I'm a stranger to his body of work, and one of the things that was said in an interview was he doesn't believe in rehearsing. He also went to great measures to not introduce himself to certain environments, like. Uh, spoilers for those of you who, of course, may not have seen this. It, it is hard to come by because it's an independent film, but I I guarantee you that if you enjoy queer cinema, this is a film that's a necessary watch. It's not going to be a happy, you know, um, feel-good-about-your-life movie, but it is going to feel relevant because, as Toppy said, 
he knew someone like Mr. Pat. Many people have known people like Mr. Pat. And until films like this are made, those are stories that may not get passed down. So um, I'm, I'm trying to think of where I was going to go with that there. But uh, Udo Kier says that he's, he's not one to rehearse. And there's a scene in the film where uh, Mr. Pat goes back to his hometown and he goes to the cemetery, which is where his, his partner, his lover of many years, was laid to rest. He died from AIDS. And he hasn't been to the cemetery since the funeral. Udo Kier in, um, volunteered in the interviews that he refused to go into the cemetery and see the headstone until they were ready to film the scene because his art is the experience of the introduction. He wants you to see his reaction to that entry of the, <sighs> of the um, you know, the uh, environment and the, uh, the elements. So, yeah. And, and what a scene it was um, because with absolutely no dialogue, again, we see um, the character Udo plays Pat caressing the headstone hugging ferociously hugging the headstone putting his head on the headstone crying and we know no dialogue whatsoever how much his lover meant to him and uh, he passed of, of aids and in a scene that was repeated by the thousands back then his lover didn't have a will. And so what happened to the estate and his belongings and everything? Well, some nephew got it. Pat Patrick didn't get anything. He was destitute. He lost the home. He lost the business. He lost everything because some nephew somewhere came out of the woodwork as the last surviving relative got everything. Yeah. It, it, and, uh, way, and, you know, we, we come to know Pat uh, in, in a, in a nursing home, you know, one of those hybrid um, institutional awful places that we stuff old people into but um you know despite the the um vivid and harsh realities that were fraught in this film there are some very poignant moments that tell you the kind of person pat was just by virtue of his service to the community as a hairstylist he had a role in helping people feel good about himself. And one of those scenes is right there in the nursing home. There's a woman in a wheelchair in the stairwell, and she's lost, well, perhaps she's lost the ability to speak because she doesn't speak in, this, in her scenes. But he talks to her, and he does her hair in the stairwell. And she's in a couple of scenes but until you listen to the conversation he's having as she's working on her hair, you may not pick up, which I did in later viewings, that this may have been one of his old clients before he became retired because he uh, remembered okay. her. And he said to her by name, he says, Miss Gertie has always had beautiful hair. Oh, you're so right. I did not pick up on that, DJ, but that's, that occurs to me. Yes, absolutely. That was what they were indicating. There's another scene later on when Pat is, is, has walked the distance to this town to go to the funeral. And he meets a lot of people along the way. And one of them is a lady that uh, she, she recognizes him and she says, I know you. When I was 16, you made me up as a blonde and blah, 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 blah. And she tells this whole story. <laughs> and he pretends, he pretends that he remembers her. 
And over the course of the scene, you know, she reveals, you really, she, she tells him, you really made me feel beautiful. And it was an, it was important to her. And finally he remembers her and, and tells a, a list of things to prove it. Uh, I you're, the name of your son is blah, blah. And that year was yada, yada. And he says, yeah, it's, it's all up here. It's all up in my head. It takes a little while <laughs> to come down, but, but it, 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 it meant something to her. And, and, uh, the grandson of of the woman who's being memorialized, he reveals at the end, you know, I never met you, but because of the stories my grandmother told about you, I feel like I know you. And I want to tell you that you changed my life because he was gay. And he was having a bad time. And his grandmother, when he came out to her, told her all about her good friend, uh, Pat. And this is a revelation to Pat because he came to believe that Pat didn't think much of him. Mm -hmm. And that she didn't come to his lover's funeral. And he was rather bitter. In fact, he wasn't going to do her makeup and hair at all. It took a lot of convincing. And he gave up several times during the course of this movie. He ran away from it, in fact. But finally, he did it out of out of respect. And I thought at the end, there's this beautiful moment where the grandson reveals, no, she'd been talking about him all along, and he knew all about him. Mm-hmm. And just knowing about him and how out and flamboyant and uh, and and that he had a, a lover and he had this life and it was a good life completely changed uh, his whole idea of what he could be and how he could be gay in the world. So that's a really key point in the movie. <laughs> We're getting close to the end, DJ, and I got to tell you, one of the one of the best things that happens from beginning to end of this movie is that Pat is a a kleptomaniac. (laughs) All right. And they just, it's, we're not, it does, the movie doesn't comment on it. We just see him, you know, we see that it's out of necessity. He doesn't have any money. He's got to get these beauty supplies, but he steals a whole lot. A whole lot of stuff in this movie, <laughs> including he just decides to take, you know, one of those scooters. <laughs> you know, I don't know where he just oh well, and he and he t- it just he doesn't think anything of it. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful moment at the end that brings it all through the whole movie, all all of his steel is. He's taken the shoes of the woman he's just made up. And he ha- he happens to die. Spoiler. Right? Yeah. <laughs> he, he dies uh, af- uh, shortly after um, uh, making uh, this woman up. Mm-hmm. And as the, uh, the, the medics take him out. The grandson looks down and he sees that she's wearing her grandmother's shoes, the shoes <laughs> she was wearing in her coffin. And he just smiles and he goes, you know, you just see on his face. Yep. That's Pat. And he just smiles. <laughs> what a beautiful. Oh my God. And you know, and it's sort of a callback too, in the sense, because there's a scene earlier in the film when he's in the, you know, one of the only remaining gay bars in town. And he says to the guy across, you know, the bartender, he's talking about Rita. And uh, the guy's like, she sounds like a nightmare. He goes, I adored her. And he's like, she had great taste in shoes. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Anyways, folks, there are so many wonderful moments in this movie and so many funny moments too, in a very poignant, a tale 
that is so well done. Can't recommend this movie enough. You know, and I would say that it starts right from the beginning with Mr. Pat's personality, because in the same way that he stole the scooter, there's a moment in the nursing home where he leaves his room for the day. He puts up his little smiley sign on the door to let him know he's not sleeping anymore. And one of the nurses says to him, you know, well, let, you know, good to see you up and walking and whatever. And as soon as she says that, turns her back, he goes ahead and takes the nearest wheelchair just to kind of flipper the bird in a way. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm getting up and around all right. I'm just going to take this chair here off your hands. <laughs> right, right. And of course... Through much of the movie, he's walking. He's He leaves the nursing home on foot and walks to this town where he's got to, you know, make this woman up. And it's a long damn walk. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and he does it. Um, oh, goodness. Boy, I'm so glad I saw this movie. It was it was one of those movies that's devastating when you watch it. Mm -hmm. But... So incredibly well done. You know, it, and I would put it on my list of necessary watch films because, sure, you might be in a certain mood and you want to see a movie that's happy or fun or whatever, but it, it, it's it's a lesson. You sit through this film to experience someone's life just like films like Titanic. You know how it's going to end. And Schindler's, yes, list. Yes, I've watched Schindler's List. Will I watch it again? Maybe not, but it was an important watch because it passed on a story and you experiencing something possibly not from your own life. Yeah. By the way, in your research, did you find out how they got Linda Evans or why she was interested in basically portraying a corpse? I mean, seriously, <laughs> what? Obviously, there was something she saw in this movie that made her think, I've got to do this. And possibly there was something that the director Maybe maybe he was a super fan of Dynasty. I don't know. I you know I don't have the um, absolute answer, but I can only venture to guess because um, as they discussed the casting in some of the interviews, basically it seemed like some of the pieces started coming together once they landed certain roles, like getting Udo Kier as the lead. So I believe just simply by virtue of Udo glowing on um, the interviews about getting a chance to work with Linda Evans, that it might've been kismet that they, they might've admired each other's careers. And once he goes on the cast, she was probably coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. By the way, your hubby Billy posted a photo of a very young Udo Kira. Did you see it? I because you've got to scroll back up. And oh, take a look. Yes, he he looks a little like Kevin Sorbo, although probably less uh, conservative. <laughs> well, all I can say is, what a beautiful man! Mm -hmm. um, he was, and a very handsome man he remains uh, to this day. But um, boy, 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 I'll tell you. Mm -mm -mm. And uh, we we have a copy of Flesh for Frankenstein, Andy Warhol's film in. 3D folks, because uh, well, we like we like to import things, and uh, doesn't matter what language it was released in, if it has an English track on it, uh, it's it's as good as an American film. So um, that's that's the uh, the well kept secret of uh, movie lovers. Just get it overseas, and uh, if it's in English, you can uh, have it for yourself. Doesn't matter if it was released here. Anyways, so we are out here at the lobby, Toppy, and uh, we're at that part of the show where we talk about other films that you might enjoy if uh, Swan Song is in your wheelhouse. Maybe you haven't seen Swan Song, but you like films of that nature. So this is our snack tray, and I, I had a change of heart. I decided on something else. So uh, the film that I am going to recommend is also a film by Mr. Todd Stevens, the director of Swan Song. This is actually, I believe, his first film. It came out in 98, 
And uh, it was a, a very important film for myself because in those days I was just newly out of the nest. But Edge of 17 from 1998, the story is a teenager copes with his sexuality on the last day of school in 1984. It shows him coping with being gay and being with friends. And uh, inevitably he ends up sneaking out at night going to the club and... Um, meeting up with a young college guy, possibly his first boyfriend. But Edge of Seventeen, a 98 film by Todd Stevens, also introduces us to the wonder that is comic Leah Delaria in one of her first films, Edge of Seventeen from 98. Very nice. Um, so my choice, um, if you liked... Uh, Swan Song is a movie that it made me think of uh, another little quiet gem of a movie. This one was made in 1999 and it's called The Straight Story. And it's about an old man who makes a long journey, not on foot this time, but he rides a lawnmower <laughs> um, and he's going to visit his brother who is, terminally ill, very ill, and he wants to speak to him before he dies uh, after years of them being estranged. And he he makes this journey on a lawnmower and meets people along the way, finally gets to his brother, and we see them together after years of uh, being apart. It stars Richard Farnsworth and Sissy Spacek. And it's directed, believe it or not, by David Lynch. And you will not find a strange, weird eraser head uh, gestalt mm -hmm. to this movie. It is a finely directed, extremely poignant movie right along the lines of Swan Song. And uh, if you like Swan Song, you'll love The Straight Story from 1999. Okay, so we've got some late 90s recommendations along the pike here. And uh, before we say goodnight, Toppy, and tell folks what's coming up next, please let us know who joined us tonight in the chat room. All right. We just got an appearance by Marin Gertz. She confesses uh, she got here late. Um, but she says she loves this movie that we talked about tonight. We also had your hubby, Billy, Star Sage, and we had Lamont Cranston. And we have our pal always here every week, Tommy Hashbrowns. And we thank all of you for coming by and being part of the live show. Oh, and we had the ever mysterious Cronhaven, yeah, um, uh, as well. So, uh, thank you all. Because yeah, you know, aside from being here in the chat room, which you can join us at uh, our Discord, go to matinee and click on that little link there that looks like a well, a game controller. It might also look like a uh, you know a, a masked man. But it says Discord. And of course, you can go to YouTube. There's a little linky poo on our webpage. You could see us in our splendor because sometimes we play dress up and ain't that fun. Uh, but you can also listen to us on the stream, which is how the mysterious Cronehaven has been listening out in the wings here tonight. All right. So. Hey, DJ, get our magic gumball machine, because we got to find out what we're doing next time. All right. We're going to find those coins the magician left here, because, I mean, the, you know, this person is almost as bad a klepto as Udo Kier. <laughs> uh -huh. Oh, you know, this one, it's glowing. I think that means something special. It's a listener request, Toppy. Oh, it is indeed. Um, well, next time on Matt Namanusha, uh, it's a movie by the director of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. It's an early 80s comedy drama. It stars Robin Williams, 
and Mary Beth Herrick. A struggling young writer finds his life and work dominated by his unfaithful wife and his radical feminist mother, whose best-selling manifesto turns her into a cultural icon. Next time, by listener request, the world, according to Garp. Oh, well, you know, and it should be noted that Robin Williams did have fun with his films, so... You know, this this wasn't made to be a box office smash. I'm sure he probably just did it because it sounded like fun. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll find I don't, I don't know. It was the bestseller, and I'm sure they I'm sure they wanted it to be <laughs> a uh, box office smash. Oh, and, uh, you know, if, if you're looking under the, uh, the cracks or the carpet here, perhaps if you join our Facebook, group look for matt name and nusha and join our facebook group you might occasionally get an opportunity to somehow see some of these movies that aren't on streaming because here at chateau star sage we have a library that rivals that of congress or the library of congress one of those two okay mouthful so bottoms up folks uh you know hats off not really to to our celebrated folks like Mr. Pat and all those great queer filmmakers out there. All right, Toppy, in the days of the, in the ways of the old days of radio, would you do us a favor and say good night in that special way? Uh, good night, Gracie. Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Our show streams live on the first and third Friday of the month. Go to univospods.net. Click the tower for audio. Enter Discord for chat. You can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com. Tweet us on Twitter at matineeminutia. Find our group on Facebook. Have an idea for a show? Or why not let us know how we're doing? Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com. Chubb's gone wild with Matt and Tom. Speak up. The Smellcast by Tommy Smelly. Be heard. Tastes like burning with Tim and James. Unique voices in podcasting. The Shy Life Podcast with me, Paul the Shy Yeti. Univazpods.net.